1: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. I have before me a gleaming crystal ball... I pass my hands over it, and I can see the future. If it really worked, of course, I could rule the world. But all it shows me is the world in the year 2176, 200 years from now. And I regret to say, it's a very frightening picture.
2: Keith, they're after our child. What happened? How did they find out?
3: Delia, listen to me, darling. You can't let yourself go. We
2: can't let them accommodate, Eric. We can't. You
3: mustn't panic. That's what they're hoping for. But
2: what are we going to do? How can we stop Vignor?
3: I don't know yet. But there's one thing I do know for sure. If we panic, our son is doomed.
1: Our mystery drama, Area 13, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Murray Burnett and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Through a glass, darkly. That is how we perceive the future. The fantasies of our science fiction writers have come true through the years with an almost frightening precision. Space flight is here. Other planets are being talked about and explored for colonization purposes, but through all the visions runs a thread of despair. Today, we take a leap two centuries into the future and join a meeting in progress, a meeting of the accommodators the rulers of the one world we now have in 2176. The meeting is chaired by Kryle, provost of the accommodators.
3: Rulers and counsellors of the planet, it is the considered opinion of your provost that we are faced with a grave crisis. The matter came to my attention only yesterday, which explains the emergency nature of this extraordinary session. It was included in a routine report of our sentinel from Area 13, I have taken the liberty of extracting from the computer the portions of the tape that comprise the crux of the matter. I urge our closest attention as I replay those portions now.
2: Computer readouts indicate presence of non-registered, unaccommodated child in Area 13. Attempts to identify child have all proved fruitless. All information fed to Comp Master came back with same reading.
3: Insufficient data. Please advise. The silence I hear in the chamber properly reflects the gravity of the situation and explains the presence of our esteemed friend, Vignor, at this meeting. Since the provost has mentioned my name, I would like it to be put on the record that I think, with all due respect, that he is overreacting. Reasons? Computer error, for one. Yes, Possibility, but remote. Assuming for the moment our sentinel's information is correct and that somewhere in Area 13 there is a non-registered, unaccommodated child, where is the crisis? As you well know, Figner, our genetic makeup is different. We can experience neither anger nor joy nor remorse, but we do have the capacity for and the desire to use power. I know all that. Why was I summoned? What are my orders? They will be given to you privately by me in complete confidence. Very well, councillors, this meeting is now dismissed with council members assured that this grave matter will be dealt with promptly and efficiently. And I think we will find my office more comfortable. I assume you intend sending me to Area 13. It is correct. I call your attention to your genetic chart on the screen behind my desk. I really don't understand why you've gone to so much... Please, Figner... It's vital that you understand the importance of this mission. Now, you are a unique blend. Your mother was artificially inseminated with an unusual helix formation, which produced an individual with the characteristics that make you so outstanding in your designated work. But... Yes? These two characteristics are empathy and a certain measure of understanding. On this assignment, I warn you to be extremely aware of them. Because we must discover the identity of this child. Understood. But one child, Kryon? You completely understand that the population must be controlled. One pebble dropped in the wrong place at the wrong time can cause an avalanche. You must not fail, Vignor.
2: Why are you so late? I've been waiting here by the fountain for over an hour. i almost given up hope and gone back to work.
3: Celia, I couldn't get away from the hospital on such short notice. We were running tests on what appears to be a new viral strain, which fortunately seems relatively harmless. What's the matter? Do we have a problem?
2: Marissa called to tell me about the arrival of a new teacher at Alpha. She asked me to arrange housing.
3: And that made you send me the emergency signal and meet here where we can't be taped?
2: You know how friendly I am with Marissa. She says Alpha doesn't need a new language teacher. Meaning what? I'm afraid they found out. Keith, I'm terrified.
3: Celia, darling, look, give me your hands. Now, now, just look at me.
2: Keith, we never should have done it.
3: I want to quote to you from one of the banned books and listen closely. The guilty flee where no man pursues.
2: But our son is being pursued. I know it. I feel it. But
3: there's still no facts to support your feelings. Well,
2: how about my intuition? You've always claimed to have great respect for it.
3: All right, all right. Let's assume for the moment that there is something to justify your feelings. What do we do?
2: I, I don't know. Just
3: hand over Eric, our son, and say, here he is, a, a comedy? No,
2: no. And that
3: would also bring up the question of what the council would do with us, if you thought of that.
2: You heaven help me, I have.
3: Well, I have, too. Maybe they'd forgive us and leave us alone if, if we gave up our son.
2: Never. We made a decision nine years ago, and we're going to stay with it.
3: I always knew I married the right girl. Now, come on, darling. Let's take a realistic look at what we can expect, assuming that this new language teacher is what you think he is. If he
2: is, Eric, you and I
3: are doomed. No, not necessarily. Look at it this way. It took them nine years before they even got suspicious. So we've covered our tracks well. Not well enough. Again, I disagree with you. Look at the facts. If they knew that Eric was an unreported child who hadn't been accommodated... (laughs) He'd just have walked into the school and plucked him out of it.
1: Well, that's true.
3: So even if this new teacher is a spy, he's here trying to locate Eric. And we have no choice but to see that he doesn't locate him.
2: Well, how do we do that?
3: By holding fast to our original plan, which worked for nine years. And above all, not to give this fellow even a whip of the fact that that we have anything to fear. (laughs) Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Luton. Mr. Luton. Sorry to shout after you like this, but I'd just come from your house. Because Marissa told me you were the one to see about living space. Lucky I ran into you.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Um...
3: Vignor. Oh, didn't Marissa give you my name? Oh, of course.
2: It slipped my mind.
3: You do have a place for me to stay.
2: Of course. It's not very
3: elegant. Oh, think... as a teacher, I'm really not used to elegance. But why don't we go back to your house for a chat? Well, I'd like to, Mr. Vignor, but I'm due back at the hospital. As a matter of fact, I, I never should have taken this break. Why did you? Oh, don't take that as a thrust, Doctor. I'm very well aware that all work and no play makes an unaccommodated citizen very unhappy. Well, all right. If if it won't take too long. Not long at all. Matter of fact, I can not only arrange my room, but also get your feelings about the children's needs at Alpha. I'm seeing all the parents. I really have a great deal to do, and if I'm to succeed, I'd better fill you in right away. Briefly. The Educational Alliance has been concerned with the results coming out of Alpha in the language field. Now, as an expert in language and an expert in child psychology, I'd like to hear your feelings about this. Well, I... we have no feelings because, frankly, we haven't noticed any problem. No, of course you wouldn't. After all, you're unaccommodated parents of an unaccommodated child. And with everyone equal, there should be no language problem at all. Uh, you do realize that we're monitored here? Of course. How did you know that we were... Unaccommodated. Oh, come now, Doctor. I would never have been sent into this area without a thorough briefing. Besides, there's always the factor of the high visibility that all unaccommodated citizens share. Uh, Mr. Vignor, to be perfectly honest, I... I find this conversation very disturbing. In what way? Well, I... I... You find the monitor inhibiting? No, no, not at all. We accept that as part of our conditions. We understand the privilege of being unaccommodated, and we're... We're happy to pay the price. Happy? Now, there's an adjective that is only in the vocabulary of the unaccommodated. Isn't that so, Mrs. Loudon?
2: We're also capable of experiencing sorrow, Mr. Vignor.
3: But there's no reason in our civilization for sadness. Uh, Mr. Vignor, can we come back to the reason for this meeting? The children, remember? Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't made myself clear. When any problem arises concerning the education of the children, the council feels it is an area for concern. Now, as you well know... With a tightly controlled population, there should be no problems with education at all. Now, even though I intend to speak to all of the parents in this area, the only ones I think that can be of help are the unaccommodated parents. Why? Well, I should think the answer is obvious. All accommodated parents will be satisfied with whatever progress or lack of it their children are making, whereas... Both
2: Keith and I are perfectly satisfied with the progress of our son at Alpha.
3: Excellent. That gives us a starting point. Although I know your son, uh, Richard, is that his name? Uh, yes, yes, that, that's his name. Yes, that Richard is unaccommodated. He was registered according to the regulations, and I'm relieved to find that his progress is normal. Now, have you had any occasion to observe any of the other children? No. Well, I suppose that might be too much to expect, but I was hoping that you or your husband could give me some hint as to... As to what exactly? I'm still confused about what you're looking for, Mr. I'm looking for help, Doctor. Now, at the risk of boring you, I have to remind you about a subject you know a great deal about. Our genetic population plan. Now, since all accommodated children are born artificially, with rigidly controlled Helix systems, it becomes a major source of concern when our computer bank indicates some malfunction, no matter how slight. Now, if I may say so, Doctor... You and your wife represent 1 500th of our fail-safe lifeline. That is, you reproduce normally with children that we know to be unaccommodated. Now, I was hoping that, perhaps in your position at the hospital, you might have come across something unusual in the way of the illness in one of the children. Oh, I don't know if anything of the sort has occurred. I would, I would have reported it immediately. Of course you would. How could you do otherwise? I, um... I have no right to ask this question, but I'm curious. What is your genetic pattern, Mr. Vignor? Well, Dr. Luden, I may someday satisfy your curiosity. But at the moment, I feel we don't know each other well enough. So, if your wife will be kind enough to hand me the card with the address of my quarters, I'll say goodbye for now.
1: life in the year 2176 a grim picture perhaps but if we stop and think how far away are we from leading lives such as the citizens in area 13 maybe it won't be as long as 200 years as for me i sincerely hope it'll be a lot longer we'll be back with act 2 shortly Sounds of the future. Will they be the harmonious music of the spheres? Or will they be disturbingly dissonant sounds that herald a darker design? Here's one view of one world in the year 2176. We continue our story in the office of the administrator of the Alpha Institute. In what is designated as Area 13. She's talking with a newly assigned language teacher.
2: I wanted to talk to you. About these vocabulary tests, which are scheduled for tomorrow. Yes? I... I I just... Well, I, I thought perhaps we should discuss them. Well, fine. Let's do so. It's... It's difficult for me. Why? I... Well, you probably know that I am not patterned for questioning orders.
3: Certainly you're patterned for dealing with problems in your field? Of course. The tests are educational. Therefore, you should be able to discuss them.
2: Well, it, it just seems to me that these tests are structured more to measure a... a spirit of independence rather than a language skill.
3: Well, that's interesting. How do you reach that conclusion?
2: Well, this question, number four, which reads, pick the right word to complete the following sentence. I am very... good, bad, lost... Me. Well? I, I am me, of course, is bad grammar. But I'm puzzled as to why it was included at all. It, it seems to point in quite another direction rather than language.
3: What direction?
2: I... I, I really don't know. I, I suppose I could be mistaken. Could you? Uh, of course, I must be. I, I don't know what made me bring it up in
3: the first place. Well, let me congratulate you. You're really a very well-accommodated citizen. Oh, thank you. Of course, you were only half mistaken. Several of those questions don't properly belong in a language test. Uh, I see. For some unexplained reason, in my genetic pattern, there is an abundance of curiosity. I don't know how or why it happened, but it did. And that's the reason for those questions. Merely... To satisfy my curiosity.
2: Oh, Marissa. What a delightful surprise. I... I was afraid you might still be at work, and... Celia, I am very upset. It's about... As a matter of fact, Marissa, you were lucky to catch me. I've got a date with Keith, and I'm late now. But I need to talk to someone, and and... I'm not going to run out on you. I was just going to suggest you come along with me. We can always send Keith on an errand to find some excuse so we can be alone. So come along now,
4: Marissa. Oh, Marissa,
2: now we can talk. I really don't understand why you and Keith come here. It is so noisy. And it's not even near your house or the hospital. Oh, this is where Keith and I first met. You know how we unaccommodated, are. It's romantic to us. I suppose it means something to you, but... It is beyond my power. Oh, forget about that. Now tell me why you came to see me. It's just that I have a feeling. No, it... I, I suppose all I can say is I just don't feel right. How about seeing Keith? He might be able No, to no. Keith is the same as any other doctor. He would just send me to an adjuster. You think there's really something wrong with your harmony structure? There must be. Well, what makes you say that? Because I know I should not be feeling the way I do. It's... Vignor told me that the language tests were all right, and he even explained about those questions. But I still think feel... What is this about Vignor and language tests? What does he have to do with your feelings? Zignor is the new language teacher at Alpha, and those tests are not really vocabulary tests. They are neither valid nor reliable for vocabulary tests. What do you think they are? Individuality tests. Self-will tests, if that makes it any clearer. That makes it very clear. Why do you think a language teacher would give tests in that classification? I do not know. I cannot understand it, and that's what troubles me. I also do not think... Yes? Nothing No one can help you if you don't communicate, Marissa. I know, but you don't trust me. Oh, it is not that. You and Keith have been so close. I I sometimes don't understand why someone like me should be so well accepted by you and Keith. That invisible line that's drawn between accommodated and unaccommodated citizens is really not factual. Now, what disturbs you about Vignor? It it it's just that he does not seem to be or or behave like a real language teacher. It, it is not just the test. His whole attitude is, is somehow different. And it feels wrong. Perhaps he's unaccommodated. I don't know. I do not think so. But he's he's different. He bothers me. Why? If I tell you You promise you will not tell a soul except Keith. I promise. I am worried about my son. I do not know why. But I feel Zignor's presence here threatens my son. Now I'm sure you understand why I asked you to meet me here in the park before dinner.
3: Of course, darling. We can't be monitored here beside the fountain. Well, what do you think? Really, I think you're right. I think your instinct is dead on target as usual.
2: much good that does us? Our son is going to be accommodated. Or
3: worse. Well, you're assuming that Vigno will find it.
2: Oh, let's face it, Keith. We're up against the state, the counselors, Carl. What chance do we stand against them?
3: Only one, my love. We are unaccommodated.
2: Meaning? Meaning
3: that we're unpredictable. That's our only chance against all the computers, all the machinery that's arrayed against us. Remember, it's mechanical and terrifyingly efficient. Well, we fooled it for nine years.
2: Well, how did they discover it? Now?
3: They haven't. Hold on to that, Celia. They're only suspicious. It's up to us to throw them off the track again.
2: But there's Marissa. She's already disturbed. Well, what do you think it will take to make her break?
3: I'm afraid very little. But remember, she knows nothing.
2: But strangely enough, she feels she should be worried about her son. <laughs> She's desperately looking for an excuse to have him recessed for the time that Vigno's here. She mustn't do that. Oh, I know. Well, I think I managed to persuade her to hold off. But she's carrying a tremendous guilt load.
3: Oh, what has she got to feel guilt for? Oh, Keith,
2: she's accommodated and she's been told that the tests are really what they claim to be. Even daring to harbor a suspicion that what she's been told is incorrect is breaking her pattern.
3: The question is, what do we do? I have to think. Do we have time? I don't know, Celia, but if we act without thinking, we're playing right into their hands. All we have is ourselves and the brains we were born with. And if they aren't enough to outthink a patterned human robot, then we might as well pack everything in and forget about us, our son, and the world. You have reached trial. This is Vignora with my first progress report from Area 13. Will it save time if I assume that you've already heard a transcription of my talk with Alpha Administrator Marissa Finlayson? I have indeed heard the discussion. So far, your report has given me nothing. An analysis of my discussion with Finlayson points to several significant factors. Which are? Her stress behavior is irregular for an accommodated citizen. Is granted. What else? I, therefore, shall want an instant super check on her patterns and background. It has been activated. More information, please. My conclusions are that there's something that I have been unable to trace. But very definitely something out of the ordinary and alpha Institute. Irregularity is irksome, but not as dangerous as having an unreported individualist child in Area 13. Are you reporting such an individual? No, not yet. If I make such a report, you will have the name of the child. I expect it. The report. On Marissa Finison is here. Can you scan it for me? Finison. Program for executive in the educational field. Everything normal through childhood and adolescence. Since Patton was specifically designed for work with children, she remained unattached as programmed, was selected for insemination for an accommodated male child in twenty one sixty seven. Birth normal, child normal and registered as Patton for engineering. Any behavioral changes since she became a mother? None noted. Ever visited an adjuster? No record. What prompts that question? You heard her question me on the purpose of the tests. Now, isn't that inconsistent with her pattern? Mm, possibly. I'm curious to know why, when I pushed her, that she ran to see her unaccommodated friend, Celia Luton. The Lutons were our prime target. They had a normal birth of an unaccommodated child nine years ago. Periodic checks on the child as ordered have been scrupulously followed. Everything is completely regular. The question of the unusual close friendship between Finless and the Luton still nags at me. Uh, perhaps I can offer an explanation that will satisfy you. You might save some time. As you well know, there is one factor which the programmers have been unable to control. There is no gene they've been able to isolate to govern it. And that is the amount of parental concern evidenced by members of both sexes. It varies from male to male and from female to female. I suggest that since Finison was strongly child-oriented and she and the Lutons both have one child, that is the link which binds them and would account for their association. Well... trial? you just might have hit upon something that I overlooked. I'm thinking I might reveal my true identity and my purpose. To what end? Well, I'm curious to study the reactions of the three people we've been discussing. Well, I remind you that I and the Council are interested only in the success of your mission. I'm sure you already prepared an alternative in the event that I should fail. Of course. We shall do a complete min bottomal sift screen of every child in Area 13. Won't that drastically affect the unskilled labor population and give you a large oversupply in those fields? Unquestionably. It will also throw off the balance in the skilled fields that we had carefully planned. But that is infinitely preferable to leaving the problem unsolved. Trial, just to satisfy my curiosity, what do your computers say would happen if an unaccommodated child went undetected into adult life on this planet?
1: The story you're hearing is supposed to be taking place in the year 2176. I wonder whether any of the citizens of that world had heard of the old saying, Curiosity killed the cat. Or, conversely, the answer, satisfaction brought it back. We'll find out exactly how Vignor, the undercover man of 2176, went about satisfying his curiosity right after these messages. 2176, four centuries after the Declaration of Independence. However, in the world of the future as we see it, not only is that historic declaration forgotten, but independence is a word to be feared, and independence of thought and obscenity to be stamped out. We resume our story with Vignor, the undercover representative of the Planetary Council, calling on Celia
3: and Keith Luton. I hope I'm not intruding on your evening at home, but I have two confessions to make. That is, if you two charming people will take the time to listen. Well, Celia and I are always happy to have visitors, but we're not adjusters nor even compensators, and listening to confessions is out of our lives. Well, my confessions aren't all that earth-shaking. As a matter of fact... Do you honestly think this is the time and the place for confessions, Mr. Vigner, no matter how unimportant they may seem to you? Oh, you mean the monitor? Well, nothing I have to say that a sentinel would be shocked to hear. My first confession is that I intruded on you without an invitation simply because I was lonely. Now, you know my home is in Area 4, and you and Marissa are about the only people that I know here. Well,
2: then you were perfectly right to come here.
3: My second confession is much more interesting. You see, I am not really a language teacher.
2: I really don't think we should hear any more.
3: I need your help. Oh, I'm afraid there's no way we can help you. How do you know? You don't even know who I am or what my problem is. We're not interested. I'm here representing the council. And I need your help. Oh. Are we to take that as a directive? No, no. Nothing so formal. I'm merely requesting a friendly discussion. Of course, just a
2: friendly discussion on a monitored, recorded conversation.
3: Surely you two must be used to that by now? Well, we're not used to discussions with council representatives. Oh, by the way, everything that we say here must be kept completely confidential. Except for the sentinel on the monitor, of course. Now, things would go much more smoothly if you'd relax and just look upon me as a sort of colleague. No, oh, that's too much.
2: You come here as a council spy... Admit you're not what you're supposed to be and ask us to involve ourselves in whatever scheme you have in mind and treat you as a colleague.
3: You're not even curious about my mission? All we want to do is to be left alone. Not even a question as to why I come to you rather than anyone else in the area? All right, Mr. Fickner. Why are you here and why did you choose us? I am here to trace a rumor, an unverified report on an unregistered, unaccommodated child in the area. I chose you obviously because you're the only unaccommodated citizens in the area. Well, our son has been registered. I know. Still, the council asked me to come here. Now, I was wondering whether you had noticed anything different about any of the other children in Alpha.
2: But I'm sure you've been informed that we have no more than the usual casual contact with the children in Alpha, other than our son. I I still don't
3: understand why you have come to us. You know, in ancient literature, they had a saying which went, set a thief to catch a thief. So, I think we have every right to resent the implication that we're lawbreakers. We've lived up to the letter of every regulation. We have monitored and observed every minute of the day and night, and I want the Sentinel to note that. All I meant was that in searching for an unaccommodated child, it would be only natural to turn to unaccommodated citizens who would quickly recognize that singular quick brightening of the eyes when something occurs that pleases an unaccommodated child. That, in short, makes him happy. Both Celia and I are happily busy with our work and we are... we have no reason to be particularly observant with any children. How about your friend, Marissa Finlayson?
2: What about her?
3: My question, has she exhibited any erratic behavior recently? Well, I, uh... I'm afraid you'll have to be more specific. For an accommodated person, she seems to hold some unaccommodated ideas. Ridiculous.
2: As a female, I'm closer to Marissa than Keith. And I've never heard her express any opinion for which she wasn't patterned.
3: I have. It was in connection with a test that I'm giving to all the Alpha children. A language test? Supposedly. I informed Finlayson that that was its purpose. And despite my telling her, she questioned it.
2: But she's patterned as an educational expert. If she saw that something was wrong, wouldn't it be her pattern to point it out?
3: It's only that thought that prevents me from recommending an adjustment. Now, I was hoping you and your husband might have a talk with her and find out what, if anything, is causing these reactions.
2: We're not spies. Of course not.
3: But you also have a stake in the success of my mission. Well, I can't quite see how your success or failure will affect us. Well, I'll be quite frank. Unless I hand in a satisfactory report to the council... They will order a lobotomal screen sift for every child in the area, including, of course, your son.
2: Then you agree with me that this Rignor isn't a language teacher? I didn't say that, Marissa. It's just that I can see you're upset. And I do have something to be upset about. The language tests will be given tomorrow, and then Eric will be in trouble. What makes you so sure? Eric has influenced me. Now, I know you are going to say it is ridiculous that a nine-year-old boy can influence someone, but there are things about him that have startled me. He... He... Oh, Celia, take my word for it. He is different. And you believe this difference will show up on the test devised by Vignor. I am sure of it. Well, I can't see why you're so upset, Marissa. Even if what you say is true and Eric should test out irregularly, he'll simply be sent to an adjuster and then everything will be fine. Isn't that so? It isn't only Eric. It is I, Celia. I do not think you can understand what he has meant to me. He has such a new way of looking at things and questioning. Some things I've never understood I think if anything should change Eric, I would need an adjuster. Perhaps I need one anyway. Have you spoken of any of this to Vignor? No. I suppose I should have, but no. Never. Never, never never even mention it to him. Marissa, that's a directive. Just keep your doubts entirely to yourself and don't ever breathe a word of them to Vignor. We've been here half an hour, and we still don't know what we're going to do. We have to think of something. No use. We're trapped, and Eric is... Eric? Oh, honey, don't give up.
3: We can't give
2: up. I can't help thinking that maybe if we reported Eric and registered him, he would have been better off. No,
3: now you're thinking the way they want you to. You know what Eric's life would have been. Monitored 24 hours a day. The only place he could ever talk is in the park with a fountain. They'd have made him a doctor, whether he wanted to be or not. He'd have practiced medicine the way they tell him to. They'd pick an unaccommodated girl for him to marry, and he'd reproduce on order.
2: And now he'll be turned into a vegetable.
3: Well, maybe not. Yes. Maybe we can still win this battle. Celia, you gave me the idea when you told me how much Marissa's concerned about her son. Well, how does that help? She'll help. Don't you see? She'll help us repeat what we did when Eric was born. I I don't follow me. Come on, think, darling. Remember how all this started? Do you recall how we were joking about what a coincidence it would be if our child and Marissa's were born almost at the very same time? I'm not
2: likely to forget that. It was then we started thinking seriously if the children were of the same sex and were born just a few hours apart, we could exchange children. And that way, give Eric a chance to grow up unaccommodated and unmonitored. I never held Eric in my arms, never
3: once. Celia, <laughs> Celia, darling, we knew what we were doing when we agreed to let Marissa believe Eric was her son, to raise him as hers while we brought up her child. We, we did talk about it, remember? Well, we never talked about it ending up in this hopeless, terrifying mess. Don't give up yet, Celia. Don't forget we were successful once. But that was in the hospital, where you were in complete charge. You had access to the records. You could issue directives to the staff. Don't you see? Marissa's the administrator at Alpha Institute with complete access to the tests. All we have to do is persuade her to switch papers, substitute Eric's for Richard's, and everything will appear to be normal. After all, her son, Richard, whom we are raising as our child, is reported as unaccommodated, and it's only natural that he should test that way.
2: Well, of course. And then Richard's paper will show no trace of independence. Oh, but Keith, that means we have to tell Marissa. Then she'll know everything. No, oh, no,
3: no, not everything. You will tell her you're doing this because she came for help. We tell her nothing about Eric. Not that we're his real parents or that he is unaccommodated. But
2: Marissa is accommodated. Can we trust her?
3: I don't know, Siri. I'm beginning to think so. I'm beginning to have hope not only for Eric, but for this whole planet. I mean, look at the effect Eric has already had on Marissa. You told me she's thinking differently. But what about Vignor? Won't he be looking for a trip? You leave Vignor to me. The first thing you have to do is find out how the papers are collected and marked and classified. Now, you get on that right away, honey.
2: And and where do I meet you when I've got the information?
3: The admitting room at the hospital. Oh, but isn't that monitored? Yes, it's monitored but not recorded. There are too many conversations. The only recording is the actual admission procedure. Darling, I love you. Good luck. Well, how'd it go?
2: She's on tranquilizers. But she agreed.
3: And The language test papers.
2: Special printed questions according to Vignor's orders. No names. Each child's registration number encoded at the top of the paper. Answers computerized and results printed out. That's
3: great. We couldn't have hoped for anything better.
2: Now what are you going to do?
3: I have hundreds of hospital forms with every child's registration number encoded on top. Yes,
2: but those are hospital
3: forms. But the numbers aren't. Now, I'll check Richard and Eric's registration numbers and pick up a couple of forms. Then you'll have Marissa extract the two test papers before they get to the computer.
2: And what about Vignor?
3: Just get me the time when he's giving the test and I'll take care of him.
2: Keith, I just thought of something terrible. If you succeed... Vignor fails, and if he fails, every child in the area will be given a lobotomal sift screen. There's no way we can save Eric. We
3: only have Vignor's word for that. I'm sure it's an empty threat. No, you just get me those test papers. All right, Dr. Luton, now that I'm here, can you tell me what is so vitally important that I have to leave my classroom in the middle of testing and rush over? Now, Mr. Vignor, I, uh... I think I've found the child that you've been looking for. Well, congratulations. You really amaze me, Doctor. Can I have his name and address? Of course. His name is Robert Claster, and his address is right here. He was the victim of an accident, and he died on the operating table at 2 a.m. this morning. Doctor and Mrs. Luton, I've been looking all over for you. Oh, I'm sorry, if we'd know. we'd have left word. I have some shocking news for you. You see, you were wrong about the identity of the unreported child. He wasn't Robert Plaster. He... He wasn't, No. And I've established the identity of the child in question beyond any doubt. Would you be kind enough to accompany me back to your house?
2: Why? What, you...
3: Since you're vitally concerned, I think you should hear my oral report which will be given first to the sentinel and then supplemented in writing. Now make yourself comfortable because I'm afraid you're in for a shock when you hear what I've discovered. I think we've had enough of this cat and mouse game. Go ahead with your report. I shall. And get yourself under control, Doctor. This is Bignor reporting on possible unregistered, unaccommodated male child in Area 13. Investigation showed that this report was triggered by clerical computer error and the use of the reverse-production stamp machine. For some reason, the machine had been programmed to interchange test papers of male child registered number 4519 and male child 3861. But that's Richard's number. I'll have to ask you to remain silent, Mrs. Luton, until the report is completed. Male child number 3861 is accommodated son of Marissa Finlayson. Name, Eric Finlayson. Number 4519 is Richard Luton, registered unaccommodated child of Dr. and Mrs. Keith Luton. With the resulting interchange on all tests, there was a notable variance in results which led to misunderstanding. Case report completed and closed. Signed, Vignor. I can see why this is your favorite spot, Dr. Luton All right, big can stop playing around It's quite obvious you know everything But what Celia and I want to know is why did you do it? Why did you lie in your report? If I tell you the truth, you won't believe me Try me Curiosity, doctor I have a tremendous amount of curiosity in my pattern I confess that I cannot resist trying to find out just what will happen to this controlled environment if one male, unreported, unaccommodated person grows into adulthood.
1: Men see the future differently. But there's no gainsaying the ever more frightening strides that science is making. We long ago discovered the power to destroy ourselves and now we're faced with the even more frightening power of being able to control reproduction and the making of man. But so long as there is one mind in the world capable of independent thought, then there's hope. Because man's mind is capable of anything. Everything is in it the past as well as the future. I'll be back shortly. Each of us has our personal and different pictures of what the 22nd century may be like. But the most horrific picture ever drawn is continued in a very frightening scene. It is the year 2200. There is only one man left alive on the entire earth. He sits alone in his small room. And suddenly, he hears a knock on the door. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Ian Martin, Marion Seldes, and Joan Lovejoy. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater